Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank, thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Today we have with us an exciting guest. I'm really thrilled to have her on this call. Her name is uh, Michelle Berdiardi. As some of you will probably know her, she is the winner of the LPGA Championship Ping Welsh Classic in 1996. And today she is a golf instructor, a very well-known nationally uh, recognized golf instructor, In her golf academy, she talks about her training and trusting on how to achieve peak performance. At the underlying core of all her coaching today is the focus of the fundamental principles of her mental mastery program. She's also an advocate for women. She conducts business golf academies for women and also coaching them on achieving and maintaining financial balance uh, in their lives. As I said, during her 14-year career, she's won over a million dollars by winning the Ping Welch Classic in 1996. In 2012, she was awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Pittsburgh Youth Golf Foundation. In August of 2013, she was named as the first ever women's varsity golf coach at the prestigious Carnegie Mellon University. In the November 2013 issue of Golf Digest magazine, Missy was rated as one of the top teachers in the country and in the state of Pennsylvania. Her daily schedule involves balancing and blending her golf instruction, uh, working as a financial uh, representative for the Lutner Financial Group. She's also a practitioner of Iyengar Yoga. And today we're going to dig into uh, her uh, rituals, her practices, and her moment when she won the championship uh, tournament in 1996, and the influences she's had all the way from her childhood up until uh, today and her plans for... uh, teaching younger adults and taking on golf and how to uh, really mentally be prepared to be successful in today's day and age. So it's going to be a fascinating interview. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So uh, without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Michelle Bodiati. Good morning, uh, Michelle. Uh, welcome to the Wisdom of Friends podcast. We are so excited to have you on the call. Uh, I remember the first time that I met you, it was at the leadership conference back in Cleveland, Ohio, almost uh, 15 years ago. And wow. uh, one of the things that that really stood out for me uh, when I first met you was just your presence. I mean, I instantly knew that either you were a champion athlete or you were either a professional corporate executive working for a Fortune 500 company, but there was something about the way you just walked into the room, your presence, and it was just uh, something that really, really uh, stuck with me uh, uh, as a first impression. Uh, So, and I'm really excited and having uh, known you over the years, uh, it's been such a privilege and an honor to have uh, learned a little bit more about you and your background and your accomplishments and uh, it is such a fascinating uh, story that you have, and 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 I and that's why I really wanted uh, 
uh, you to be on this uh, interview call so that you know we could uh, capture some of your insights and share it with the audience uh, of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. So with that, thank you for taking the time to be on this call. And uh, yes. welcome, welcome to uh, the Wisdom of Friends podcast, Missy. Thank you so much, Kasha. I feel uh, that's pretty special. I feel that's really, really sweet. Everything you said, and I that makes me feel really great that I do, you know, show up that way. So I hope that's always the case. That's what I strive for. So let's please let's let's get into it. Okay, great. Uh, so the first thing that we normally do with our interviews is the first question for our guest is, you know, what's your favorite quote? Or philosophy that you live by, and how have you applied it to your life? That's a great question. Uh, I recently, a couple of years ago, I have a, a childhood friend. He and I grew up together on the golf course, and he came back into town into Pittsburgh, and he was going to stay with me for a few days and do some business. But I was out of town, so I said, "Just go into my house, and I'll be there, you know, the next day, and I'll see you, and we'll hang out the, you know, the following day." So he got into my house, and I have all these little signs hanging all over that I don't even recognize as abnormal, Kasha. I just, it's just, if I have a thought, I'll put it on the kitchen table. You know, my son and I live there, and my partner and I, my girlfriend and I live there. So the three of us. And I'd like to think our house truly is a, I, I look at it as a sanctuary. I, I feel like it's where we reconvene after a day out with people, out with our in our field of, you know, performance, where we try to excel, whatever we're doing. I like to think of it, our house, we could come home, relax, be with each other, let down, and just replenish our minds, our bodies, but for sure our minds. Uh, I'd say we're all pretty good at replenishing our bodies. I, I mean, we as a, as a household. I wish America was the same way, to be honest. I don't think America's very good at taking care of their bodies, but that's a whole other topic. But anyway, one of the, my friend, he called me from, I was on the road. He said, what in the heck? <laughs> he started reciting a couple of my signs around the house and he started laughing. He said, Bertie, this is so you. He said, I have to tell you, I feel great. <laughs> Just from being in here. So as much as he was teasing me, you know, and it might even be kind of whatever it is odd, he said, I love it. I just love it. But one of the one signs that I've had in my house forever, and it's right above my treadmill, and we have a treadmill down the basement, and, and it says success is moving from one failure to the other without any loss of enthusiasm. That is such a I great quote. Yes. Isn't it? It just, it takes a lot of everything, courage and uh, inner strength to keep moving from one failure to the next to without any loss of enthusiasm. So I do love that. I think that's one of my all-time favorites. That is so great. Um, so I, one of the questions that I'm really always have been curious about is, uh, what did your parents do and how did that shape your life growing up? and to become the kind of person you have become today. Yeah. You talked to me a little bit prior to this interview, and you mentioned that we might talk a little bit about my parents. So I I get this question a lot, and I just rethought it again. But here's what I would say, as succinctly as I can. They were opposite. So my father was, he was kind of a swashbuckling, uh, Ital he's Italian. He's kind of a male sh 
they're all, they're all domineering. They're all male chauvinistic Italian. He gambled on the golf course. He played with his friends. That was his thing to do with his buddies. He liked to gamble for money. He was risk. You know, he took risk. He loved it. He loved having action on the line. He loved poking against his buddies, teasing them, you know, playing all those types of games and shit. And he was a, a self-employed businessman. He owned a restaurant. He owned a couple pieces of property. He was in the insurance business for a while. So he had the influence on me, I think, for sure as a competitor. You know, for sure, I, I wasn't afraid to go after it and gamble. Uh, he, for sure, when I made my first dollars, he had me invest my money. I mean, that was, wasn't even a, you know, an option. He's very self-motivated, self-initiating. He came from a very, very humble, modest means. His father is a laborer, first generation Italian immigrants. So I think I developed that from my dad, the competitiveness, like the enthusiasm on the golf course. So like, let's get this on, let's go for it. And the, the self entrepreneur that like that type of inner, you know, that type of, um, this self responsibility. Now, on the other hand, my mother was much more, I would call her prudence. She was my mom. You can count on no matter what my mother does what needs to be done she shows up she never misses a detail she is uh, precise with the house the cleaning she also worked in the school as a secretary she raised three children i was the oldest she was very practical she did not take risks she was kind of like nervous at golf tournaments but she man she got thing done she did not and if I messed up if I didn't do my chores before we could go to the swimming pool in the summers we weren't going to the swimming pool it was just as simple as that so I think I thought of this a lot you know I'm 53 years old right now and my only child is a son and he's 18 just graduated from college this week in fact so I've thought a lot about what values I wanted to pass on to my son and I think I really lucked out I really got the best of both of my mom and dad. That's that's so great. Uh, thank you for sharing. And sounds like, uh, you know, your parents had a tremendous influence on you growing up, like the resilience, the competitiveness from your parents. And I think that's played a great part in how you raised your uh, wonderful kid, Sam. And uh, congratulations on his graduation, by the way. That's uh, such exciting uh, news and accomplishment. Thank you so much. I this is a this phone call, this interview comes at a unique time. Like I really feel like I'm at a a cross a transition time at life. And I, you know, Sam's moving on. He's moving out of the house. And now, what is next for me? Now, I have kind of a varied background. I've been a golf professional my whole life. I've in golf. I've been a competitor. I've been a teacher forever. I've been a mental coach. I love that. I've created a whole mental mastery program, a six-week program for my students. I've written a book on it. I've done speaking engagements on that for years. I also kind of, at the same time, interwoven, became a yoga teacher during Sam's early years, studied the body, how best to move, how efficient to practice, all that optimal, just optimal performance. And also, of late I've been involved with a financial firm. It's 
you know, I had my finance background. He wants me to help his female clients, you know, coach them for financial education. So when Sam is about to leave, of all my past backgrounds, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of merging here. I'm going to blend more into coaching my female students and, and clients in the financial realm, as, as well as a bit of coaching. But it's going to be a big departure for me. I just think, like I said, at age 53, just some physical injuries. It's tough teaching every day, being outside, teaching golf every day. Uh, I really want to use whatever influence I have um, you know, to help people. I love being in the service industry. I have, I'm so lucky to have credibility in the golf world. It's, that just seems to always be there. And it's such a privilege. In the financial world, it's less apparent that I have that background, but I've been fortunate as a single mother my whole life to be able to be around and raise my son and enjoy all of his sports, be there, spectate, because I was financially um, savvy on the ball. I plan. So I feel like I can really do some value, add value in this arena for women. It's just it seems like my life has evolved to always being an advocate, whether it's for junior golfers to female golfers. Now it's almost just for females in the work in the workplace, golf wise and financially. So I'm really excited. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm going to miss my son, but I do know it's time. Logically, I know he's ready. He's mature. I'm ready to watch him, and I think it will be a, a good time for me to really have some uninterrupted time again. It's been, you know, 19 years of only focusing on him. So it's been, that's enough. He's ready. <laughs> that's so great. And and I'm yeah. sure you've trained him well, and uh, he's going to go on and uh, achieve uh, lots of success and make you proud as a, as a son and uh, for you as a mother. Uh, I want to take a step back here and, uh, uh, you know, really curious about you know, you won the 1996 uh, Ping uh, Classic LPGA Championship. That's such a big deal. It's probably, you know, I don't know what percentage of people even get to play competitive golf and then actually winning it on the world's biggest stage. I mean, that's such a achievement. And and what I'm curious about is, uh, what was your journey like uh, from your childhood up until now, in the sense that did you always know that uh, you always wanted to play golf, or how did the love of golf come about for you? Yes, that's another question I do get often, and I'll, I will say this is simply it's so funny, actually, so ironic. As a golf coach, as a mother, half of my time spent thinking, how can I get to this kid? How can I motivate him? How can I touch him? What do I need to do to get him fired up or her? You know, I teach both boys and girls. I'm always thinking that way. And how I was fired up, I asked my father, I think around eight, 10 or 11, we'd all, my mother would take us children, the three of us, I was the oldest, to the swimming pool, which was adjacent to the golf course. And we'd have to stay in the swimming pool with my mom as kids. And there was a big fence around the swimming pool. And my dad, Never came to the pool with us. He played golf, which was outside of the swimming area. And I could see him sometimes. And I wanted to play golf with my dad. And I said, can I golf with you, dad? 
And I, I do. I still remember this, Kasha. He said, honey, you're not good enough. And play. This is the game I play with my guy friends. You're not good enough. And I just started practicing in the front yard, hitting plastic balls with my neighbors. We take the balls up to make the balls fly further. We hit balls over the roofs of the house. We got in trouble. We did all that. We later started biking down to this little par three local course. And that's truly, that was always my motivation. I need to get good enough to play with my dad and his friends. (laughs) That was it. That is so great. I mean, it's, you know, what, what this tells me is that, you know, somebody at that age could have heard their dad say that you're not good enough and could have taken it in a whole other way and gotten, uh, you know, gotten uh, depressed or went back into their shell. But you didn't do that. You stepped outside and like you really took on this as a challenge to become really good at this. And it's such a fascinating competitiveness that, uh, Uh, It's a strength of yours that I've noticed over the years, and that's such a valuable thing. And I'm sure your uh, students that you teach today uh, get instilled with the same drive and desire to excel at the highest levels. Um, Now, going back to your childhood, like, whom did you idolize growing up? Who were your mentors? And what fascinated you about them? That is a great question. Uh, I will say this age this generation my son with you know they are on their phone they're on youtube they are on google every i i can't say i had a a big idol i really i really i watched sports with my dad baseball and football which i don't watch that much now i just want to hang around with my dad and mom but um I, i would just really I, I truly would just have to say my parents. And, and you know what I have said at times, Kasha? My my teammates, my my idols were my buddies that I played with on the golf course every day. I can't really. There are three of those guys. We had about a foursome or a fivesome every day. And they're all boys and, and me. And they were who I strove to be like. Now, of course, I watched Jack Nicklaus and those guys and we imitated them occasionally, but I, I don't think we were media influenced at that age. I, my immediate world was in my little street, in my neighborhood, and the guys I played with, and my family and my parents. That that was it. I watched my son. He can recite 200 names of the most famous tennis pros. He's into tennis, but I, I didn't know that. I was into me, my game, and my competitors. <laughs> that was it. Mm, that's so great. Um, Going back to that 1996 moment, that's uh, that's such a fascinating accomplishment of your career. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what was the preparation like towards that uh, winning the tournament, and and what were certain things that fell in place for you that really really made the difference, or was the uh, X factor for you to winning that championship? Yeah, another unique question. I I was the type of competitor that I, I was kind of I came from a work ethic background. That's the only thing I knew. Uh, I I know the reason I wrote that book and coached these young students. I teach in what I call I term mental mastery, not mental toughness, but mental mastery. I I know the reason I do that is because I didn't know any other way to be. Yeah, you know, I know now 
how you need to try less a little bit, let go of perfectionism. Um, the stinks from training hard. There's a time when you just have to trust and just let it alone and be okay with that. And I, I wasn't very good at that throughout my career. Never heard of those principles until really late in my career. So that's a lot of the subject matter that I talk about to my kids. So interestingly enough, with that said, interestingly enough, the week of the Ping Welches, it was in Boston. I, I had, at that point, that was about my seventh year into being on the tour, and I still hadn't won. And I had come close, and people had their career rounds that knit me out in the final round to be, take my victory you know, from me. And so I kept coming, coming. So I went to see my sports psychologist, who was Bob Rotella, and I visited with him, and he said, the lesson was, this is the hardest lesson for me to receive. You look good, go pick a target, and swing. No thoughts, just let it go. And I hated that. I felt like I pay all this money to fly out all the way over here across the country to see you, to get a lesson, and you're telling me I look good. Like, I wanted something to work on, to suffer with, to struggle with. <laughs> That's where I came from as a player. But for some reason that week, I believed him. I believed that I was you know, good enough. My swing was good. My Everything was good. My mental state. So I signed up for the Ping Welch's Classic at the last minute. And I flew in. I had no preparation. I missed the practice round. I rented a hotel. I, I told the woman I was supposed to stay with, I'm not staying with you. I, I wanted to be alone. I just had a sense I needed to rest. And I stayed by myself alone in the hotel room. And I read the book, Carshall, on Arthur Ashe. I had had my hands on it for a while. It was on my to-do list, but I just read that autobiography of him, and I never got to the course hardly on time because I was so immersed in that book for three or four days. I just hit a few shots. I loosened up, and I played. I didn't overanalyze my game. I never practiced after the round. I just read my book, and I played, and I won the dance on <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a, that is a true... I, I, I truly, I, I do think, honestly, I mean, if you want to take a, you know, a, whatever, a spiritual look at this, I think it was a message or a sign or something. It, uh, I just, everything came together for me, and I was just inspired by the life of Arthur Ashe. He was unbelievable. And I just trusted myself, and I listened to the my golf coach's sports psychologist lesson, and and then I, I kind of, my eyes opened. I said, oh my gosh, I've been grinding so hard. And, you know, I've always had it. I just needed to believe it. So it was a great week. It, it came in my seventh year. And I was happened, I happened to be dating a guy at that point, And I had my son shortly thereafter. And my career kind of ended a couple years later. I was really involved with, you know, dating and marriage and impending marriage and impending having children, starting a family. And I just, it was like I won. I did it. I knew what I needed to do or how to do it to win. And then I got into a different aspect of my life. And I've really never gone back since then. So I wish I could have, believe me, as a competitor, I think we all, every competitor I've ever met, I don't care how good they are, we all think we should have done better. I think my career was it's okay. <laughs> There's a part of me, depending on which side, 
me you asked, I think I was very under uh, achiever. And then there's a part of me that really appreciates how far I got and how, what I achieved. But I just needed to learn some things earlier. That's why it's been really satisfying to me to have the coaching experiences and conversations I've had with these kids I've taught because it's an unusual conversation. Not many people are qualified to talk about those matters. And it's, they're really important matters about just your, not just your golf game, but absolutely about your life. So I really loved being in that arena with all my players. And believe me, it becomes very personal. You get really attached to them, their families, their parents. My son was right alongside of all those coaching sessions playing golf with us. So the friendships and the community we developed, you know, inside these life lessons, I, I, I really am. I sound like I almost cry, but I'm forever grateful. That is, that is fantastic. Uh, two questions come out of uh, your sharing just now. One is, it seems obvious to me, uh, just listening to you share, is that there was something about being in a flow state uh, when you won that championship. It's like everything just naturally uh, kind of took its own uh, course and you were apparently at your best when you won that. And secondly, the second question that comes out of it is, you said you were reading the biography of Arthur Ashe uh, were, were there any specific one or two lessons that uh, stuck with you when you read that book that really has uh, uh, made a profound difference in your life today? Yeah. Um, unique, I guess, uh, ironically, there weren't any particular lessons about like, the flow state or any how-tos in that book. I, I think just his grace. I, I think that's the only word I can say. Just his dignity, his grace with how he lived as a human being. And then, of course, as a competitor, but also later in his life when he was having all his health challenges, simply that and the inner courage that he had and the quiet confidence that he had. I mean, I say simply that, but that's huge. Hmm. So that's, yeah, that's huge. It was, I still, I have that book on my coffee table in my living room and so that's the lessons I took from his book. The flow state that I played with that week, they, those, were, those were ideas I had been training, talking about and learning from specific golf coaches for quite a few years. And it just finally, I just decided, or I, I don't, you know, I just committed to it. I really, I pulled the trigger very committedly and very freely that week with no regard for or concern for failure, or, you know, I just, I was committed, and that was, that was the difference. I was in a playoff. I had a five-hole playoff and beat Dottie Pepper. Hmm. That's so great. So that was me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about your coaching practice. I know you worked with Dr. Rick Jensen, and uh, you've written a book on mental mastery. Could you share something about, a little bit more about the coaching program and uh, what exactly is mental mastery and how is that different from uh, some of the other coaching practices out there? Okay. Uh, as I said, I, I worked with Bob Rutella when I was on tour, and he worked with many male and female golf professionals, very, very world-renowned. But then it wasn't until, so I knew all of his point of views, or a lot of it, and it helped me 
to a great extent when I was out on tour. When I retired from tour, I started coaching more kids and I kept going for more training to be a better coach. And I took all that training from Dr. Rick Jensen, who's also another sports psychologist of tennis but and a lot of golf also. And his, his um, thoughts were came from a different arena than Bob's. So I learned, I just felt like it really rounded out my knowledge of how to be a competitor. And I so wish I would have had both, just had that frame of reference and that perspective. But, but you know, I just came a little late. So I would say the book, The Mental Mastery, is a combination of all those sports psychologists. I worked with Deborah Graham also when I was on tour. She's been around a lot. Like all the golf coaches, I can't even begin to list them all, all the yoga teachers, many, many great practitioners, seminar leaders I went to. So that book was a combination of all of that learning that I had. And I felt like it was my job to make that book so simple, like mm. really simple. I, I didn't need, you know, neuroscience classes I had taken, every, everything. But, you know, I could, I don't want a 12-year-old to talk about, read about neuroscience. I wanted him to be able to read it with the paperback and then go out to the golf course and have applicable drills that he could do with his golf club in his hand and tennis players. We had so many other athletes take our program and just right then and there do it and get some, you know, some results right then. So I think I achieved that. I, I was, I actually, I know I achieved that. And I saw so many great uh, experiences happen from all my players. And just, I would say the main philosophy of that book, if I had to just say a sentence, it's, how to train specifically, the optimal way of training, and then distinct from that, very distinct from that, how to trust and, and specific ways of how to practice trusting, not just the conversation. Like a little Billy's mama says, just go trust yourself, Billy. Go play great. How do you do that? Mm. You know, that so I, I told that to little Billy, how, like, how, this is what you do. And we had pr- exercises to practice it. And what, and so that how to train, how to trust, and the clincher, or a big key piece of that, fear. I talked about fear in that book. So when fear shows up, how that gets in your way of training very precisely, being present while you train, and how that fear doesn't allow you to trust very well. So just those three things, how to deal with fear, how to train correctly, and trust correctly, that's what the book's about. Mm, that's so great. Sounds like you uh, really uh, used that platform to distill all the wisdom that uh, uh, you gained over the years from your golf uh, pro career and making it simpler and easier for the younger generation and kids to really use it and be more practical with it that they can go and apply it on the golf course right away. So uh, that's such, yeah. a, such a fantastic uh, uh, project to take on. Um, oh, Missy, what I'm curious about is, uh, what's your definition of success, and how would you define greatness? Uh, gosh, so I can remember you and I, oh my gosh, maybe, well, let's see, maybe 15 years ago, at least, having conversations about this. And I remember when you gave your opinions on this topic, I thought, wow, that's really, I liked what he said. You opened my eyes to a few things, many things, many things, gosh, <laughs> Oh, thank you. You've been great. Yeah, you've been a great friend to me. I thank you for, well, before we end this call, make sure I state this. 
we have really bounced a lot off of each other, and I have so benefited from your openness, your willingness, your constant um, accepting where you are and owning your your strengths and your greatnesses and that, which, that you have now, and bridging that with always seeing the gap of where else you wanted to be. So not making yourself wrong for where you are now and not being disappointed for where you are now, accepting that, like I said, acknowledging that, enjoying that, appreciating that, but always your quest, your thirst for knowledge, hunger. We, we've shared that and I've, you've fueled me. So that's, that's definitely an accurate representation of how I feel about our relationship in you. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I feel exactly, uh, the same way about you. I've always been inspired by you. And, uh, you know, uh, for me, you're once a champion, always, always is a champion. And that's how I I look up to you. And so thank you for saying that. Um, so the question, uh, I have for you is about what stops people in your opinion, having worked with all the kids and on the golf course and having coached so many individuals over the years, what do you think, in your opinion, stops people from achieving their fullest potential? Okay. Well, just, well, just to back up, I, I, was admire, I was admiring you and giving you your compliments. So I did, the last question about what is the definition, I would say, I, I distinctly remember our conversation, achievement balanced with satisfaction. Mm. And I know you and I, and we, you and I have discussed it. So, there's so many, honestly, and what was a great lesson for me is over the years, I saw a lot of people achieve some great things, athletes, but I didn't think they were very uh, satisfied in their lives. And that was confusing for me for a while. So that's, that's what I would say my definition. And to, that, to, that just kind of flows right into this next question. You said, what keeps them from achieving? I think... Really, really being honest with yourself and answering the satisfaction part of that equation. I think so many people go after what is considered quote success or, you know, and they just blindly with all a single pursuit go after it and they're just, they're not happy. They're not aware of, you know, really what they want and they're not, they're not willing to ask somebody, what do you think? And when you, I think you asked me, um, you know, to expand on that, what could help get rid of that, that thing that gets in the way from the success, which I just said is satisfaction, acknowledgement, like self-honesty. Mm-hmm. I think a thing that can really, really help is asking other people, like, what do you see about me? I mean, if you, one of the psychologists I had, in the sport, sporting world, ask me, I want you to go ask 10 of your lady golfers that know you well. And they, they know me very well. They know how we, re, we respond after a double bogey. They know everything. Ask them, and I, they had a pretty uh, thorough form that this psychologist said to me and said, ask them these questions. And I couldn't do that. I wasn't willing to have those conversations with competitors or even coaches. But I would advise that to a young athlete now because you just, Along with your skills, if you know yourself better and know where you interfere with yourself, your skills can shine. But if you keep, you know, it's not knowing how you to operate yourself, how to respond, how to be there, you can't even get your skills out. 
And I had no clue how, what point of view I came from as a competitor. I just worked. So, you know, that probably is a regret. I, I would have loved to have seen how far I could have gotten as a golf player with that self-awareness. And I just didn't know I didn't have it. That's as simple as that until too late in my career, I guess. Yeah. Do you think uh, your practice of Iyengar yoga has helped you in uh, building that self-awareness practice? And would you recommend people uh, practice yoga? Absolutely. You know, it's funny how we learn these lessons in life. I I won my golf tournament two years later, two and a half years later, I was married. So I was living this totally different life, totally different um, focus. And so I started doing yoga then with, um, and then I had my son and then we got divorced right away. So it was boom, boom, boom. And when I got divorced, my son was not even one years old yet. I had one surgery on my shoulder that had been nagging me for years on the tour. And also I had hip surgery too. So I should say, so I just, I just needed to like, uh, I guess start something of a type of practice from the bottom up, gentle. So I went to yoga and that talk about self-awareness that I was just talking about a moment ago mm-hmm. and seeing how you operate in a totally foreign environment for, for me. I really saw how I didn't do things and pay attention, work too hard. Yoga is all about watching yourself, releasing into the moment, being in the moment, breathing while you're there, letting go. I had never heard of those things, like I said. So I really, I, I, it was such a great time for me with an infinite home. I feel like it was such a peaceful first five years. I did so much for five years, immersed myself, not just in the practice of yoga, but in the study of it, the, the yoga journals, the texts, the, you know, all that the Ayurvedic medicine. I loved it. It was really, it, it really did open my eyes to a lot. I can't get into it all now, but that started my, I guess, self-aware, inner self-awareness. And now when I play golf, I, I practice so less now compared to back then, but I play almost as well because I'm just so better about knowing where I am, where my body is, what I'm doing mentally. And it's kind of, it's kind of sad. Like I said, I couldn't have learned that earlier, but I think that's life. Yeah, I think that's life. And I, I think I learned it just as I was supposed to learn it. That's just, I'm, I'm okay with accepting all of that. So it had its reason that it took me that long to learn it. And I'm, I'm proud I did learn it. Most people, I think, do not ever. Yes. So, so if I had to ask you this question, uh, Missy, if you, had to, if you could go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old, what advice would you give her? <laughs> um, I think kind of the, the flavor of what we were just discussing relax honey it's going to be okay relax take a step or two back sit down and ask a couple key people in your life what they see are your strengths and what they see are your weaknesses and actually trust them mm-hmm. and actually be willing to listen to them and believe them instead of thinking that you know everything. That's what I, that's what I'd say to myself. 
That is such a great answer. Thank you for sharing that. Missy, uh, we're going to get into the next section of our uh, Wisdom of Friends podcast here. It's called the Rapid Fire Round. And I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and uh, you just have a few seconds to answer that. Of course, you can elaborate on it if you choose to, but it's going to be like a rapid fire. So are you ready, Missy? I am ready. (laughs) All right. So the first question, what rock star has impressed you growing up? Uh, uh, I'm not a, I don't go to a whole lot of concerts. I don't know why. Uh, oh my gosh, for some reason, Diana Ross is popping into my head. Mm. Uh, that, might, <laughs> that might have been my, that might have been my era, but I thought her songs were inspiring, but I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, if you could be successful in another profession, what, which would you choose? Hmm. That's so funny. I just said what I said because I would love to be a singer, a singer or a piano player. I would love that. A backup singer. Oh, wow. That's yeah, I would love that. That's so great. I didn't know that about you, Missy, that singer and piano writer. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. Uh, what that. color describes you best? I think light blue. Light blue. Hmm. Calm. It's calm. It's just, it's just presence. Okay. Do you believe in magic? Mm, absolutely. I, it depends how you define it. I'd say I, I would define magic as love, openness, transformation, willingness. Absolutely. I believe in those things. Well, the next question is, if God exists, can she be trusted? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I believe... I believe that, yes, absolutely. Okay. And the final rapid fire round question for you is, if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? Uh, be kind. Be kind to one, other, to one another. Take a minute. Just take a moment and make eye contact and smile mm. to one another. That's so yeah. beautiful. Uh, that's really inspiring. So we are heading to the final section of this uh, podcast interview, and I just have a few more questions before we wrap it up. So one question I do have for you is, uh, what's your current passion project, and what are you looking forward to in the next six months? Uh, I love studying. Um, I've studied this whole uh, type of how to condition your body, uh, all these different experts with physical therapy. I love that. I've, I've studied a lot of that. But I want to, right now, currently, I'm studying my my financial exams, my, all my, you know, higher certifications in the financial world. I just, I just feel like this age, I'm more of a woman of a little bit more stature. I just mean maturity, just that certain stages of life have happened to me, childhood. I've raised children. I've gotten married. I've had a career. I've had a professional career. I'll never not be a golf coach, and I'll always do some of it, like I said. But I feel like this next phase, I want to be more an advocate for women, you know, close to my age and help them manage an area of life that I talked a team bit about, but just our finances, our finances and our health so much affect our everything, our performances, our relationships. So I think finances is not talked about a lot and it's probably boring. 
and most quote finance coaches or financial representatives or analysts are probably I hate to say this, they're stereotype, but it's boring. It's Chinese. It's very foreign to a lot of people. They don't understand it. So I, again, I think just the way I can have a connection with my students and, and the way I've learned to communicate over the years, I think I convey, I can convey these uh, financial lessons to them and really impact their lives in a positive way. And I, I think I, I'm really looking forward to shifting a little bit in this direction my next this next decade or longer. Mm. Uh, the next question uh, is, what are three things you're grateful for in life today? <clears throat> my love. I have, I have such, I really have quality people and friends. My, like I said, my girlfriend, my partner is such, and I think we've been together 10 years and we connect on a way that's really precious. And it's been, it's had its uh, challenges, but I'm so glad I didn't turn my back on that connection and that love, a, a different type of love with my son. Oh my gosh, that's uh, just an unbelievable experience in my life. Uh, the love I, I have received from, from my parents. Oh shoot, I'm crying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've been really fortunate. Mm. Uh, great friends, I have to say, I really love my friends. Mm. Such quality people, I've been so fortunate. Wow, wow, that's very, very yeah. inspiring, Missy. I, I want to acknowledge you for a, a splendid career that you've had, and uh, and not only that. I mean, what what I really uh, find such such an inspiration about you is your willingness and your ability to. Uh, take all of that wisdom that you've learned the hard way and with all that uh, growing up and practicing on the golf course and winning and all that all that wisdom that you have taken and distilled it into an easy to follow format for the younger generation and younger kids so they can uh, take on that uh, newfound wisdom and apply it to their own life and not only become good golfers but become uh, good individuals and good uh, global citizens of the world. And I think uh, for yeah. me, when I look at your career, your uh, your work uh, that you've done in, uh, in in your life, I mean, that's your legacy of uh, leaving uh, these kids uh, more inspired and better able to handle the challenges, not only on the golf course, but even in life. And, and it's uh, you've you've been an inspiration not only to me but uh, countless other people uh, that uh, have met you have got to know more about you. So thank you for being you, Missy. Ah, Kasha, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Right back, Kathy. Well, I have one final question for you, and that is: Why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? I think. Because I know you, and I know what you're going to do is quality work. And my my motto on my mental mastery book, one of the mottos in there was, "When you're learning, you're living." And I believe I believe that you life is about learning. And I know whoever you have these interviews with, and the type of questions that I've already experienced, what this is such great uh, learning. 
So if an individual just wants to get a broader perspective of, you know, who they are in the world and what does matter, how can I get there? And Oh my gosh, you have so much to learn. So I would seek out the best resources I can to learn and to apply it to myself. And I love watching autobiographies on TV or biographies. I love it. And I love listening. I listen to books a lot on tape. So I hope, I hope I, I hope I'm doing exactly what you said. I've had some, you know, stirred a thought with some people in this interview. And, and if I haven't, here's what I'll tell you, Cross, I'm kidding. If I haven't, which is the worst case scenario, I'm sitting here in my car by myself. I have a golf lesson starting in 10 minutes after this interview. I scheduled this. I am in, in such a better mood right now than when I, before I started this interview. So I know I'm fired up to go out and you know, I have like next six hours. I'm going to be out there teaching. So I know, I know where I am so I can help these, these, these students. So I feel pretty good about what you got here with your work, sir. Oh, thank you so <laughs> thank much. You. Thank you. My, it's my pleasure. I know this was going to be a fascinating conversation and uh, we might have to get you back for round two because you have so much wonderful <laughs> things to share. So again, thank you so much for your time and candid answers. I really appreciated our conversation. And for those of us listening, uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. Thank you. Thank you, Kasha. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Cal Aras. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, theglobalcontribution.com. To your friends and colleagues, be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous episodes. This has been a Seven Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of the Wisdom of Friends.